0: Hey guys, Mubaraksha, CPA and M&A advisor here of Maury and Tronfeld Here today to talk to you guys about how to actually raise capital for your acquisition, all right? How to get the investor board together, how to get the lenders together, and basically how do you actually end up putting together this kind of first acquisition, right? Or even if you've done it before, you know, I basically have been able to be a part of close to 100 transactions obviously not my own money but being the m and q CPA E uh, provider things of that nature and I've done a few of my deals on the sell side and now fortunately on the buy side as well so I'm going to be running through that today uh, in this episode you know in prior episodes we've basically kind of been working on a series of different search fund episodes so Um, Whether you're a self-funded searcher whether this is your first acquisition, you know We have a couple different episodes uh, going on so definitely check them out but you know I want to really just start talking about with like how do you even know a search fund is right for you? You know and and obviously for those people that are new there's a few different when I say search fund I don't necessarily just mean their traditional search, but I also just mean you know becoming a searcher overall and really you know, having the desire to take an entrepreneurial path to running a company, right? That's really where you have to understand that you are not only going on a journey to buy a, find a company and then go through the acquisition, but then at the end of the day, you're going to be an operator, right? The majority of your time is going to be spent running a company. And so you have to be able to lead the company. You're going to have significant autonomy. You are going to be the boss, and you're going to be the have primary accountability. Now, the great thing is that there is the ability to achieve significant financial upside, right? So, for example, search fund principals generally end up receiving, say, the potential for a twenty to thirty percent equity stake. Uh, Self-funded searchers, of course, acquire more of a stake, um, but obviously they have more risk and what ends up happening is that you do get this financial upside but it comes with certain kind of contingencies for example like if you take an sba loan depending on the type of loan you get you may have to end up subjecting yourself to a personal guarantee and um, you know at the end of the day it just requires a high level of perseverance all right it's It's really cool and interesting to me and fascinating because I have a background being a CPA, of course, but then also in finance, accounting, but then also left and did sales heavily. And then on my side businesses, I've done online marketing, digital marketing, um, customer success. So I've kind of run the gambit of it. I've been a CEO in the past. And so really, ultimately, like the search process overall kind of encompasses all of it, right? It's like I... I saw this. There's a good YouTube video on on like I just even like the title of it, which is like the odyssey, right, of a search funder. And it really is because it's kind of a journey where you start from being almost like a finance, private equity type person running a fund and raising capital to then going out and actually acquiring a business. And it requires a lot of perseverance. So even in the raising capital side, you know, it's a numbers game. So a searcher is going to have to contact, you know, First of all, when you're searching a company, there's probably going to be at least five to 10,000 plus companies that you're going to reach, need to talk to, right? Um, A very light way of looking at it is, you know, if you contact 1,000 companies, you'll probably generate 50 conversations, of which you might visit 10, of which you might be able to submit an LOI to one. You know, And you probably have to multiply that by 3 to 5 because it usually takes at least 3 to 5 LOIs to actually get to a signed one because some of them will die in due diligence, some of them the seller won't actually end up assigning and wanting to move forward with the LOI. And um, there's a whole bunch of different aspects that occur, right? A lot of the search phase involves cold calling, cold emailing. You're trying to reach out to decision makers and owners to discuss a potential sale and you really just have to be specialized in the ability to build relationships and networks. All right. So at the outset, search fund entrepreneurs used to establish like you need to pretty much to start with, right, is the game for especially I'm going to talk specifically about search funds and then overall investors, but you need to secure relationships and initial interest and investments from about 10 or 15 people or firms, right? So yeah. some investors are familiar with search funds and, you know, you have some of the main guys in the in the space, um, Pacific Lake Partners, Broadtree Partners, um, you know. Actually, I want to just, I'm going to reference it in, in the description, but there's some very, you know, popular search fund um Capital partners that kind of invest into all the deals and there's they're usually found on a majority of the different cap uh, You know, but you have Kappa partners you have search fund partners. You have endurance search fund. I mean sorry endurance search partners uh, Peterson partners all of these guys are very uh, frequent search fund investors and so uh, they will be able to be someone that you reach out to, but then others have to be educated. And regardless, the principles have to basically, you know, you as the search fund principal, right, the one running it, the GP, basically, you have to convince all the investors of your ability as an entrepreneur. So like once the search phase begins, you have to build strong relationships and networks and you have to be able to sell yourself. You have to have the confidence and you have to be able to showcase why your experience even though you probably are young and don't actually have that much experience you know why you can have that confidence and ability that you're going to be able to execute all this effectively now understand that you don't have to do this yourself right the the advisor the investors are there as advisors and they want to be leveraged they want to be utilized obviously they're not going to do the work for you but they're definitely there to be a sounding board to help guide you in the right direction And so it's always good to have that honesty first and open communication with those investors because once the company is acquired and once you target your acquisition and even when you're looking for what companies you should target, the search fund principles, you can actually end up leveraging the relationships you have with these potential investors. And so, you know. I spend a lot of time consuming content and talking to people in the industry and listening to conferences and attending conferences and you'll find that all of the capital partners, all of the lenders, all of the investors, their favorite part or their favorite kind of type of searcher is the one who has reached out even prior to finding a deal at least they probably have a one pager, uh, maybe their private placement mem- memorandum put together, you know, or they're in the process of putting it together. But they maybe have the LLC because that shows you have some skin in the game and you've kind of started the steps. But they prefer those searchers and those entrepreneurs who have actually started a conversation with them prior to. And maybe kind of discussed their industry thesis you know so for example you know saying that hey I think I can make a lot of money or I think there's a good market opportunity right now to arbitrage accounting firms or roll up accounting firms or you know mining facilities or whatever right and then they have this conversation with the investor the investor can either let them know if they're interested point them in the right direction you know investors Obviously, so they'll, the, there's a mix between kind of what they talk about, like investing in the jockey, investing in the horse, right? So like a lot of times, like the horse being the industry as a whole or the business and the jockey being the actual entrepreneur or the operator, right? So a lot of the times it's about having the ability to sell yourself and sell your ability to lead and run a company and even if you don't have the full experience these investors understand that and instead what they want to do and kind of closing the thought out of what i was just mentioning they were saying that the best types of relationships are when the searcher reaches out to them discusses an industry thesis and then ends up going ahead and finding a company that supports and backs that exact thesis and then that relationship kind of shows that You know, the investor, I mean, the entrepreneur has the ability and the foresight to kind of follow through and that the investor has been there throughout that kind of monitoring. And even though, you know, it's not like 100 percent certainty that this is going to come through, it still has that prior relationship built in. And so one important kind of decision to always kind of keep in the back of your mind. And again, I'm going to get into the investing part of it, but I just want to kind of have these discussions up front is should I have a partner, right? So the decision to undertake a search fund alone or with a partner is kind of a very personal choice. Um, some principals prefer to operate by themselves. Uh, but, you know, in general, a solo searcher might end up with a higher equity stake of the company. So, you know, generally from like 20 to 30, 25% and a partnership may have a shared Combine 25 to 30 so you're splitting a little bit of the upside but then you have the ability to kind of have someone in the weeds with you running the company discussing ideas and so as long as you can find a proper partner that kind of helps balance your strengths and weaknesses that's kind of um something that you should keep in mind of and so you know there are specific semantics but i really want to talk about like i said talking about raising a fund and building an investor base all right. Like you need the right investors. And obviously in an ideal world, investors, you know, will bring not only money, but also advice, counsel. Uh, you'll be able to leverage your network and there'll be expert advisors, um, especially because, you know, the, the good thing about being a searcher or being in a search fund is that. Uh, uh, investors, especially those educated in this space, understand that the principals or the runners—you know—and you, as the search fund entrepreneur or the founder, you're going to be relatively inexperienced in at least one of the critical aspects to the success of the search fund, right? So there's multiple stages, right? There's deal sourcing, there's transaction negotiation, and there's actual management and operations. There's industry experience. Uh, there's financial modeling. So building a diverse base of investors with a deep and varied experience is, is really what you want to do. you know. And as I mentioned, these investors then end up being able to serve many purposes of being able to not only act as a sounding board, but then they help you with providing introductions with certain professionals. So for example, you're, ne- you're going to need a deal team, right? You're going to need a lawyer. You're going to need a banker or a lender. You're going to need an accountant or a CPA. Right. All of these people, you're going to need sellers of companies, industry contacts, brokers, um, you know, a board of directors even for the acquired company. So there's various ways to kind of find investors and there's general kind of setups. Right. So there's like there's obviously professional search fund investors, which I named out before. Then there's also high net worth individuals that either have experienced search funds in the past, or they're looking to invest in one, you know, a lot of successful searchers that end up end up going up and having an exit end up coming back to the community and investing through that. So you can find potential investors on search funder, on LinkedIn, you know, former business associates, uh, different entrepreneurs and executives when you're networking, friends and family. Um, so, you know, family offices, So there's a whole bunch of varieties of different kind of investors that can come in. Um, And really, when approaching an investor, you have to really consider the total assets and risk profile of the investor. So, you know, an investment in a search fund is kind of like an alternative asset class, which typically makes up, say, you know, It's not like real estate or stocks or 401k or things like which goes into stocks or whatever. But, you know, it's kind of something that takes up only a smaller, maybe 5, 10 at max 15% of an individual's investment portfolio, right? So what that means is that a searcher should plan to raise search capital for investors who have the financial means to actually participate in the acquisition capital. So it kind of comes back to the funny part where it's like, you know, there's that kind of story out there and it's very true that, say you were to sell a service right and you were to charge five hundred dollars a month to it and it was like a negotiation to get that five hundred dollars then usually that person or that you sold the service to ends up being a lot more difficult to work with than somebody who you sell a five thousand dollar a month service to those guys tend to be more hands-off because you know they just have either more capital or they trust you more or it's just kind of like it's not you don't You don't necessarily want somebody who's about to lose it all with your search fund, right? You have to understand that the search fund can be risky. Um, A third of all search funds don't go through, you know. So again, two-thirds do. So you do have a more than a 50% chance of. But, you know, if you don't find the right company or if you spend too long or you're just looking in the wrong places, like sometimes you do have just, you know, what the luck of the draw is, right? So investors are really looking for people that have a good background have have a good kind of focus there's they're going to be pretty honest and straightforward with you about whether or not that industry that you're looking in is something that they want to kind of be uh, focused on and so you know you are not you know the investors are usually especially kind of professional investors they are in the business of deploying capital and so once you actually have a thesis and you have a private placement memorandum and you have an investment like you have a situation going on even if you haven't found the company yet right while you're raising the capital for your initial search you do want to do due diligence on the individuals or professional investors that you're reaching out to Um, and just like how they're going to investigate your reputation your background your motivation you know you can always do that with the investors too because once you sign on and once they're involved you know it's it's kind of like a marriage right you're going to be you need to have open communication they're going to be in your life it's going to be very difficult to have them not in your life because they're kind of very intertwined with something that's very important in your day-to-day being the business so you know with that kind of comes into play how to figure out what the right number of investors is and typically you know we'll start with what i know is kind of a definite which is you really don't ever want more than 20 investors right You're going to have maybe, again, for a search fund especially, but even once you're going into kind of raising equity and you find the deal and say you're a self-funded searcher, you just don't want to pass that thing of 20 um, because it's just too many people to manage. It's too many cooks in the kitchen. Um, Yes, you can use email and just send out the same letter, but, you know, like an update to investors, but really it's just you're going to end up having personal relationships with each one of these investor groups. And it's going to be just very difficult to be able to try to manage more than, say, 10 investors. And and I mean investor like, okay if there's a special purpose vehicle of a bunch of angel investors that pool their money together or micro investments that come into your kind of cap table as a single line item, then that's different because hopefully they have kind of like a lead investor that is the one who you actually talk with. But. Imagine dealing with you know why you're trying to run your business and operate and that's already insanely difficult. Having 10 or 20 people or 15 or 12 people that you have to also answer to and who are checking in for updates and want to know what's going on, it ends up becoming difficult. And obviously, it's all easy when everything's going good and they're patting you on the back, but then when stuff hits the fan... And it's the most more important than forever than than ever for you to focus down and double down and try to make things work You really don't want all that those people breathing down your neck and hopefully in those moments is when they come into action and help you out and support you And that is really what you want to vet out and discuss, you know And I found some really good advice so when I was watching actually like a master class of the Howard Schultz, the Starbucks guy, it's a kind of nice video, I was watching it on a plane, but in general, he was just saying that you should really run a hypothetical by these investors and ask that, hey, listen, if we were to, you know, say everything works out, you invest, and two years from now, you know, we're missing a quarter, we're running out of money, how are you going to react, right? And by running in a hypothetical and asking them, you know, then you have it verbatim you can even write it through email and you can kind of follow an update you can talk about this via email but you'll already have broached and breached that subject with that investor already and if they give you an answer that you don't like or that doesn't fit with your management style or your operational style then you'll know immediately that hey this is not somebody that even if they're offering me money it's not something i want to go forward with right so you know you at the end of the day just as in any kind of relationship, you have to understand the investor. You have to understand why are they investing, you know, have they invested in a search fund before, what's their investment style, how much do they typically invest in a deal, right? So all of these questions will come up organically or try to do your due diligence beforehand and always try to see if anyone else has dealt with that search, certain investor in the past. But these are all questions that should come up in your first or definitely your second call or interaction. With the investor so there's a way to make sure that there's no red flags out there that kind of doesn't you know so you don't waste each other's time right first figure out are they even interested in the specific industry or business model that you're targeting right if you're about to try to go into manufacturing and they don't even believe in touching manufacturing then then it's probably not worth it and you might as well kind of bring that up front so that way you guys save each other's time and but maybe they have a buddy who only invests in manufacturing And so you can talk to him, you know, so it's always good to kind of just have that discussion. And there's no reason to kind of keep anything secret or private. Like you want to put everything on the table because these guys are going to be there for you for a while and you want to have the right partners on the journey. All right. So you want to basically, you know, make sure that when you're talking with these investors at the end of the day, you're going to ask them for a commitment. All right, you need to get to the punchline like your objective is to raise funds and rather than skirting around the subject, you need to be direct in asking for an investment at the appropriate point in the process, which is probably about two to three meetings in. Right, And so basically it would be helpful to make sure that you have like a term sheet lined up basically and the actual legal document is called like a subscription document that is specifically used as a legal contract that outlines the amount and the terms of the investment. So that's just something that you're going to end up having Um, and we're going to talk all about that. And just to kind of close out this episode, um, we're going to I'm going to do a whole bunch of episodes on just lenders and the financing process and the SBA loan process um and overall search fund economics but i just want to close out in talking about the securing and documenting of the investment you know either having like the like you yourself should have like your ppm or offering memorandum or at least an overview slide deck that's the first kind of written communication that you have with the investors and then after you've met with them or and talk through it and maybe had a second, definitely at least a second, usually by the third or latest by the fourth meeting, you're going to end up kind of discussing and if they're interested and they've kind of fallen in line with potentially investing, you want to definitely negotiate kind of the terms of The investment so once you get the subscription document for example from the investor all of this is going to kind of fit together because you're going to have an LLC like a limited liability company agreement you're going to have the subscription agreement and then traditionally you're probably also going to need to make sure that you just follow the SEC guidelines and have like an accredited investor questionnaire and uh, I'll link to all these kind of exhibits and stuff and You know, then obviously, you need to set up the proper bank accounts in order to receive the investments and you know, make sure you have a proper accounting system to record all the capital infusions, expenses, cash outflows. And you know, that is where the accountant and the deal team and the lawyer will really help out. But hopefully, that makes sense. As always, if you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out. You can text us at 516 417 4941 or you can email us at the uh, at the email in description hope to hear from you guys soon take care